How incredible is this? I mean, the business model is something like business judo. People are paying you recurring revenue to build your brand. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is a topic I've long wanted to cover on the show, a little series we're going to call What is the Michael Jordan of Business Models? Don't bring that LeBron stuff, by the way. Michael Jordan is and was and always will be probably the greatest basketball player of all time. The only real question is what is the greatest business model of all time and what do we have to learn from it? That's what we're going to cover on today's show, at least a candidate in the conversation, something I've long admired. We're going to look into some of our favorite examples of said business model and talk about ways that we can rip, pivot, and jam, if you will, some of these ideas and install them into our businesses. That is to say, borrow these fine ideas and improve our enterprises. Happy Thursday morning, Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Today is Thanksgiving in America, if you're listening to the pod. Hopefully, Mm. you're stuffing your face with that turkey. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe, maybe you're vegetarian and you're just eating the stuffing, but it didn't go in the bird first. I'll tell you that if you're vegetarian. I bet at many families in America nowadays, it's at least somewhat acceptable to have a bud in one ear. I'm not saying functional families, but just have a bud <laughs> in one ear. And that's the ear right. on the side of your the ant that you don't like or whatever. That's the ear where you're pumping in the information from the tropical MBA. The other year, you're listening to your family, multitasking. Sometimes life is a little too slow for some of the advanced entrepreneurs out there. (laughs) If you're not in America, you don't know about Thanksgiving, pretty good innovation. It's a holiday where you don't do anything except eat. You just hang out, do nothing. It's got to be the best holiday of the year, stateside. You know what my favorite holiday is, though? For real? Mm. Not Thanksgiving, but actually the day after Thanksgiving. The day after Thanksgiving. That's right. The day after Thanksgiving, in America especially, it's a special day where no one's calling you. Nobody's asking you to do anything. There's no expectations. You can walk outside and hear the birds chirp. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It is one of my favorite days of the year. A somewhat regular occurrence globally happens once a year. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) In Europe, this is like a monthly thing. I realize that. But in America, this is a very special day. Very exciting for us. We're, We're looking forward to it. Speaking of which, we actually have a link to our vacation policy at this post. I thought it would be interesting to share, Ian, because for a few years there, we had an unlimited vacation policy. And in tech land, I think an unlimited vacation policy is basically the same thing as having no vacation policy, because that's exactly how it operated in our business, which is our team members weren't actually taking any time off because they're extremely conscientious. And so what we did was we flipped it and we said, we have a mandatory vacation policy. Here are the days that everyone gets. And then you need to take this many extra days off, or at least that's the expectation in the company. So I thought as we take these wonderful days off and we look forward to a TMBA tradition of shutting the laptops from December 24th to January 2nd, 
so our team can take real vacations over that time and don't have to schlep back to the office on like 26 and 27 to talk to nobody. That's the worst. You used to have to take your vacation days on 26 and 27. It's like, I got seven days saved up and I'm going to use it now while no one's at the office anyways. The worst. For me, it was like a special indignity in life. I can check my email or whatever, but having to go to the office on those days, it's the sign that something need for me, that something needed to change in my life. Something needed to change. So now it's in doctrine on our company charter. This is why I love running a company because we get to create our own little nation state with our own little rules. So if you want to check out our vacation policy, we've posted it on this post if you're having trouble with that. Also, always love your thoughts on what you're up to. So without further ado, we'll move on to our conversation about some of the greatest all-time business models. All right, Ian. So like my submission for one of my favorite all-time business models. I want to just set aside an episode to talk about it, to brainstorm, to get the conversation rolling about how some listeners are applying these ideas in their lives and businesses. And actually, we have a lot of listeners in this business. It's extremely powerful. It's extremely profitable. It is the certification business. And in fact, one of my most favoritest businesses of all time is in the certification business. I'm going to get to it in just a few minutes. So To start, what is a certification business and why are they so incredible? Certification businesses essentially offer legitimacy and brand power to individuals or companies who buy and pass the certification. By the way, very often certification businesses are recurring. So in order to stay current on your certification, you have to continue to pay and be assessed and be certified every single year. Typically in return, the certification business will offer their clients the ability to generate more revenues. Typically, that's simply it. Or in the case of individuals, they'll offer them a way to make more money or to make a living in general. They typically do this by offering them on the low-end training. And on the higher end, the more expensive certifications, they're actually giving leads. Like you're getting business directly for having invested in the certification. So now, as I mentioned, Ian, one of my all-time favorite businesses is in a certification business, but it actually, I didn't really think that about it. It was a recent experience that got me thinking about the certification business. It was in a coaching engagement that we had with a company called Scaling Up. So I had read this amazing book called Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Turns out Vern Harnish is actually a co-founder of EO, Entrepreneurs Network, which is like a big-ass version of the DC that it has 19,000 members. So it kind of piqued my interest. Oh, there's a coaching element to this. I love this book. I would love to get coached by someone in this organization. So I go to the website and I put in all my stuff. And then there's like a list of coaches in our area and you get to like look through their backgrounds and reach out to them. So I start to dig into this model because the coaches don't work at scaling up. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So what do they do? Well, it turns out they are merely certified by scaling up. Now, I start to dig into that. Well, what is that all about? Well, between events and training and memberships, they're paying between ten dollars and $20,000 a year to be certified by the Scaling Up organization. In return, they get listed on the website. And so people like me are like, yo, I read about you. You're certified. We both love the same purple book. 
how about we get together and talk about the concepts in the purple book? Now, if you research scaling up, they're self-reporting $150 million a year of annual revenue, and they're currently growing. So this is like sort of the for-profit side of the EO community or one of the for-profit sides of it. What I think is so fascinating is think about the margins for these certification businesses because the operation is being executed largely by the agents in the field. Like your team members don't have to go sit in the conference room in Austin, Texas for four days with two bozos who run a podcast. That is completely off of your books. In fact, the person in that conference room is paying you to grow your brand and to build loyalty in those clients. Because I'm here talking about scaling up. I haven't yet named our coach's name, who is amazing. His name's Rob Lynch. Shout out Rob Lynch. How incredible is this? I mean, the certification business model is something like business judo. People are paying you recurring revenue to build your brand. And that's why it's a true candidate for the Michael Jordan of business models. $150 million a year of revenue. The average order value of your clients, let's call it $15,000 a year recurring. So our coach pays scaling up $15,000 plus a year. I think they have to do one in-person thing a year to stay current. Yes. Pay the dues. And then we actually just pay the coach. So we pay the coach thousands of dollars. That money never goes to scaling up. So the model is just the coaches pay the organization and then the clients pay the coaches. That's right. That's right. And I forgot the most important number. The most important number is, well, who's going to pay a $15,000 a year membership? How about this? Someone who makes a quarter million dollars a year. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and I didn't ask Rob this. I'm not going to ask Rob this because that's not cool. What I'm going to do is do pencil math behind his back on a podcast. And I <laughs> and mentioned his name. Yeah. I think it would be pretty easy for him to be making quarter mil to half a mil a year, working really great hours that are incredibly flexible with amazing clients. So I think there's a sweet spot with these certification models where the highly trained professionals that are buying the certifications, you need to keep the cert below 20% of their take home at least like but the sweet spot's probably more like 10%. If you can get your pricing in that level but then also quote indoctrinate them enough in your brand that they're true advocates, it's such an incredible win-win. Like why wouldn't the coaches re up every year because it's easy street baby, the leads are coming in, scaling up's giving you all the materials. Also they're training you on cool shit. So scaling up's got a community, right? They've got thousand plus coaches out in the field, getting feedback from clients, bringing all the information back to the mothership. Now the mothership says, you know what's really hot this year? Jim Collins's flywheel. Like clients just love it. We're getting a lot out of it. In fact, if you pay 750 bucks, you can come to this online seminar. We'll certify you in Jim Collins's flywheel thinking. And now you can bring that back to your clients and they want to stay on for an extra six months because they just love what the flywheel has brought to the table. So it becomes this virtuous circle of brand building. I absolutely love it. How about we move on to another example? We've got a bunch of examples of the certification business here. One popular example of the cert business that's similar to scaling up that is very much inspiring us is traction. So many people that listen to this show have explored the concept of getting an EOS implementer. 
Now, my basic napkin math on EOS is that it's more expensive to become certified than it is with scaling up. And the gossip, the inside gossip on traction is that they have a much better mothership marketing machine. So they can charge higher prices. Traction is different than scaling up, strangely enough, in that it's targeted at lower revenue companies, typically below $20 million in revenue, whereas scaling up has a much higher ceiling. So depending on what kind of coaching you're good at, a lot more people in our community are attracted to traction simply because the revenue figures are lower. So it's interesting that not always like revenue levels track with the investment level just because traction has such great marketing. And I think there's a stronger burning desire in the founder-led businesses. I think scaling up addresses a lot of like executive team-led businesses. So the economics are a little bit different. Well, I'll just say too, like one of the main draws that I hear about traction is you get to identify as a founder as not the one that's implementing. Yes, so that's, yes, that's yes. a great relief, right? So it's yeah. like, oh, all I get to do is be the visionary? Perfect. This is exactly what I signed up for. That's Tell right. me, guru, how do I do this? Yes, I'm writing a $20,000 check and getting a t-shirt that says visionary on it. It's <laughs> a good deal. <laughs> we are estimating that traction is somewhere between like 15 and 20 million a year in revenue. It's not totally clear if anybody knows the number, but we're talking five-figure checks if you want to bring what they call an implementer into the business. Now, you can already see traction is really good at branding and marketing. They're really good at saying, We've got EOS, it's Entrepreneur Operating System. You are a visionary, pay us a lot of money. We'll help you to define a system that an integrator can run. <laughs> you just need an implementer. <laughs> I think the economics basically work to be that if you want to be an implementer, you pay like 30 grand a year-ish, somewhere in that range. And then what you're billing out to your clients sort of starts, starts at $25,000 and then goes up from there. And so then, again, you can do the math on that. You're trying to get that sweet spot of about 10 to 20% of their take-home. It becomes a no-brainer because all I got to do is pay into traction. Same deal, I'm getting distribution from traction. When people search for implementers on the website, my name pops up. I get leads coming in every week. All I got to do, I love this math, by the way. Whenever you hear somebody saying, all I got to do is sell, and that number is like a low number, Oh, man, they're about ready to swipe that plastic. I mean, to make your investment back on something like that, you probably need to work with, like, honestly, at a low end, three clients a year. And then you justify the investment that way. And then it's all upside from there. You build your business from there. So I think that this is why this business model has such a wonderful kind of win-win, high-profit quality to it. You start looking around and uh, turns out these things are all over the place. You're walking around and you put on your new certification glasses and you start looking around mm -hmm. and it's like all of a sudden now I can see. I can see all these companies around me. What are yeah. some of the other ones that we found? Yeah, the matrix is like when you're like, what if I certified somebody? <laughs> that's, that's like the entrepreneurial <laughs> glasses. There's a couple. I mean, we haven't even gotten to our favorite one yet. I'm going to save that. I'm going to do one more before our favorite one. There's an organization called IFS. That stands for internal family system. So this is in the therapy niche. It's also in the life coaching niche. IFS represents a popular innovation on clinical therapy sessions, essentially. It's a way to talk about psychological challenges. It's a pretty cool system. If you're curious, look into it. 
So that's what happens. People look into IFS because it's mentioned on a podcast. and They're like, huh, that sounds like a cool way to do therapy. I wonder if there's anyone in my town who does IFS. Well, guess what? There's a directory for that. <laughs> and if you're listed in that directory, you've paid a couple bucks. In fact, they have programs that are multi, multi thousand dollars to get certified as an IFS practitioner, either as a licensed therapist or as a life coach. This is so popular right now that they have wait list. They have the whole tripwire thing. And the interesting thing is when you go to this website, it looks like science, baby. This doesn't look like big business. It looks like science. It's very professional. There's a lot of doctors and periods and degrees and white paper, whatever. You, you get the point. <laughs> There's a lot of letters after the name. And, and you know you're in the right place if you see that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what the best part is, is if you want to maintain your certification in IFS, you got to do stuff every year. So you got to keep paying back to the mothership, building the brand, showing up, paying your dues. And so it becomes this virtuous cycle where, again, I'm paying between 20, 10 to 20% of my take home back to the mothership. But it's a no brainer because I'm listed on the directory. In fact, I did a little bit of Reddit snooping. And there's big conversations amongst therapists as to whether this is worth it or not. And a lot of therapists are basically like, I just read the book and I know everything the certified people know. However, you make your money back from being in the registry. And so, yeah, the four or five K certification level is worth it for those therapists. Pretty cool. And even you can talk yourself into it if you just pay, get your money back because now you're part of the mothership and exposed to the optionality of being a part of a certified community. One of the craziest things, too, when you start to think about all these certifications, Dan, is that they're just man-made. A man or a woman made them up. Like, yeah. it's just that simple. This isn't something that, like, was, uh, came out of the earth, you know? This isn't something that was, like, scribed on a stone tablet thousands of years ago. This is literally two guys like you and me sitting around thinking about how we can start a certification business and then certifying people. That's it. Speaking of two guys sitting around dreaming up certifications, I want to share with you my favorite example of this and the company that inspired this episode. And it's in fact, it's a billion-dollar company, we estimate. Nobody really knows. It was sold for $700 million in 2017. No one knows the economics of this company started by two divers. The company's name is PADI, or the Professional Association of Diving Instructors. I first heard about this company when we're hanging out with one of our business friends in Southeast Asia, walking down the beach, you see this brand. It almost looks like the uh, NBA logo. You know, It's posted up on all these dive shops and it says Patty. And you can even buy Seiko watches and they say Patty, ISO certified on them. Patty's everywhere. And you think, man, there must be some Caribbean government that is making sure all these divers stay safe out there in the world. Nope, just two guys came up with this thing one day. Just two guys. That's all of us. And here's what these two guys saw in the marketplace. They saw that it's really hard to make money with dive shops. And it's really hard to decide what divers can do what out there. Again, you got the framework problem. You got the assessment problem, the certification problem. So what did they do? They made it up. Fast forward to 2023, they have 128,000 professional members. These are members who are administering scuba dives. They have six, almost 7,000 certified dive shops in 186 countries. 
They have 12 certification levels. And like we said, this is probably a billion dollar company. We're not exactly sure how much it's worth, but it's at least worth 700 million. And this is a privately held company. So one of the things I wrote down here is before you certify, complicate. Before you certify, complicate. Okay. So when Patty started, what did they see? They saw there's a genuine safety issue. We need to determine what skill level was required to do what kind of dives. Now, this became an enormous opportunity for the dive shop because if you show up in Thailand and rock up to the next dive shop and say, hey, I want to go do mixed gas and hit up that sunken barge down there, they're going to say, that's a really cool ambition that you have. But first, you need to be certified to do the kitty end of the pool. How many days are you going to be on vacation, sir? Oh, eight? Perfect. Guess what? On the seventh day, as long as you show up to my dive shop every day and pay us, we will take you down to that barge. That's right. And what they'll do is they'll walk you and say, look, you need to at least become open water certified. So open water certified is a process that you go through education. You got to take tests. Where do the tests come from? They come from Patty. You got to read books. Where do the books come from? There's an online and website component. Where does that come from? It comes from Patty. You open up a dive shop, you pay your Patty certification, you pay the mothership, and you get all of these materials. Now, say you get a few passionate customers in the shop and they say, man, I want to move to the beach. It happens every week down there. There's whole Hollywood movies about this. 100%. You've seen it. They go as a couple married to the vacation and then they find out maybe they're not truly in love and then the dive instructor ends up running away with her. You haven't yeah, seen this movie? There's something about... <laughs> there's, I, well, I, I could put myself in that position because there's something about someone who's passionate about turtles that really just stirs the emotions, you know? And someone who's willing to sort of give it all up in order to chase that perfect turtle dive. And (laughs) that passionate person walks into the office and is like, yo, I want to be able to do mixed gas. I want to be able to go down to shipwrecks. And in fact, I want to help work at this dive shop. I want to move to this country for the next couple of years. Okay, great. We're going to certify you as a dive master. That's one of these 12 levels that Patty created. So now, importantly, this is something the dive shops can charge for. They can charge for all of these ascensions as a customer. And so you're paying the mothership, but what you're getting in return is the leads. So guess what? I'm not walking into a dive shop that paid for the less expensive patty. I'm walking into patty dive shops because that means that they're competently run. They're buying the most brand-worthy, expensive certification. That's number one. They're getting customers. Number two, they're getting a framework to maximize the profit of those customers. Hopping back to IFS, internal family systems, for a moment, I can only imagine that in modern therapy sessions where the therapist isn't supposed to say too much in terms of labeling their clients with certain problems or whatever, having a framework for continuing the conversation in a progressive way is not only extremely useful, but keeps the clients around a little bit longer. That's exactly what happens with Patty when it comes to the dive shop certifications. It gives, let's face it, not always the most of sophisticated operators the ability to create ascension, to get higher profit out of each client, and to keep them around for longer. That is the win-win value of these certifications. And not only that, but there's nearly 7,000 dive shops globally now 
that are putting this Patty logo over everything they do. That's Patty certified. My watch is Patty certified. It's all Patty certified. No one's done. Everyone's coming back up from this shipwreck dive. That's what this <laughs> dive shop's about. <laughs> and you know, Dan, the funny thing about that is that you would think that a lot of these organizations come from regulation. This must be like a law that was written and then there was a regulation and then these companies spawned up. But it's not the case. These companies are just spawned up because they see the opportunity. 100%. Hey, if you like the show, just want to remind you, we have a website, tropicalmba.com. You click through on your phone, check us out on the web, hit that subscribe button. I write the newsletter every week. There's a lot going on behind the scenes of the pod. That's the best way to find out about upcoming events, both virtual, in-person, and much more. Check us out at tropicalmba.com and give us some feedback on this brand spanking new website. Because it's time for a spanking. Got a couple other examples here I'd like to go over, Ian, while we're in the mix. Shout out to all our DC members who run coaching and training courses around professional certs. Why is this such a profitable industry? In fact, DC Black members do this. These are high revenue businesses. Why? Because the consumer, the prosumer, the business can justify their investment. It's a no-brainer. If you keep it in that sweet spot, they're going to make their money back. How about this? One we talked about last week on the show, the Colby assessment. I paid for it. $55. I didn't even put it on the company. Idiot. What was oh, I thinking? Man. I'm not even sure the information is useful, but I won't share my assessment until you share yours, Ian. So that's for a future episode. I paid $55 for my Colby assessment, which tells me what kind of team player I'm going to be. It's pretty grim. But you know what's not grim? You know what's not grim? Their profit margin. I guarantee you Colby made 55 bucks. Now I'm sitting here talking about their brand. And guess what's next for me? Guess what's next for me? So let me get this straight. Uh, you paid $55 to answer 27 questions that were probably written 30 years ago. Is that how this works? 100% Stone Age level assessments. Guess what's not Stone Age? $16 million of annual revenue. I can guarantee you're not, they're not getting that from the $55 million assessment. You know where they're getting it from? The certifications. Here's how certifications and assessments go together like peaches and cream, baby. You assess the leads and you give them to the certified. So the certified folks are paying thousands of dollars a year to be certified to be able to serve those who have been assessed. So now I have been assessed. I understand my weakness. I have been brought into the distribution channel of the Colby brand. And if I want to improve that or have my entire team assessed or have an onsite or start to do seminars or bring it into my HR department, now, bam, I need someone who's certified and who understands how to work with this stuff. That's how it works. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. I absolutely love it. Go get that cold day assessment and we'll do a whole episode about it. Here's another one, Ian. I recently met an amazing entrepreneur named Rachel Rogers. She is the CEO of Hello7. They have this whole system with assessments and coaching all in one membership. It's called Hello7. They help entrepreneurs progress from zero to seven figures. They got a whole system for it. And the way they do it is you pay 3000 bucks for access to the system. That's like the assessment. You're assessed. You're part of the crowd. You're part of the community. But in order to actually get guided to seven figures, someone who's been certified 
now can take you on as a client and bring you through that roadmap. That costs $25,000 to get that certification in order to have the right to responsibly or to legitimately work with those lead sources. Why do they do it? Because it's a no-brainer investment. The whole thing builds the ecosystem. By the way, this ecosystem is an eight-figure business. One of the things I want to point out here too about these coaching businesses that's, I think, really important once you start to dig in. A lot of times when you bring in coaches to your business, if the relationship isn't clear, then the coaches have a tendency to like siphon off the customers to be their own customers. So an example of this is like, I have Rachel's business, right? And I have these coaches, they all work for me full time. But then the coaches, they start to get a little greedy, right? So it's like, ah, you know, I'm making pretty good money with Rachel over here. But like, wouldn't it be nice if I had these like two or three clients on the side, I could just do it on the weekend. And then before you know it, they're starting to build out a portfolio. And then before you know it, they say, hey, Rachel, I'm not gonna work for you anymore. I got my own clients over here. So one of the cool things about the certification model is that you totally thwart that whole situation. Because basically, the coaches pay you, and then you say, take all the clients you want. Yeah. It's like you're not trying to turn a wolf into a loyal servant. You're letting a wolf go hunt. That's right. You're letting a wolf go hunt. And, and exactly that, Ian. That's why these things are so beautiful, because otherwise, these people would not hang around. They would not stick in your ecosystem. But you're making that ROI through your certification so undeniable. I'll say one thing that I am curious about, though, is like, in these situations, like, does it breed the best? Does it breed the best? Because if you are the best and you have to go out there and, like you said, fight as a wolf out in the wilderness, like, and you have to bring it home for yourself every time, then you're the best. Like, you have to survive. So I think in these models, I do have some questions, though, about like who the best is. Because if you can just simply pay in and then simply get clients, then maybe some of that hunger is not there. Hmm. Wow. It's a really interesting question. The one thing I thought of as I was thinking about a lot of the people that I know that have paid for these certifications, and because I'll get to this, we are creating one. I want to create one. (laughs) I want to get to this. And who I would sell it to is a lot of them are the best. But the question is, is what are they doing right now and what are they focusing on? So like our coach from Scaling Up, for example, extremely talented, incredible background. He was great. Rob Lynch, you're freaking great, man. Now. It doesn't really make sense for him to go out and build a marketing machine for his fourth career. I think if, if you want to build like a great mothership or a great certification business, one of the things you can consider is solving exactly that problem, which is how do I select the person that's most relevant is going to be the best fit for me? Like that's something that you can offer in these directories. You know, one of the things I've long thought of, and we were brainstorming ways to apply this. How do you apply this idea in your business, the idea of assessments, of certifications? And one of the things is, is just being able to make that selection is a big part of what these businesses solve. You know, there's no real clear way to like certify an agency, for example, in our niche, even though there's kind of agencies everywhere. It's a similar problem. Like when you want to go get links built or when you want to go get a website done, how do you know who's doing good work? now. Those are genuinely hard problems to solve. They might not be profitable ones to solve, by the way, but it's sort of in line with what you're asking about, Ian. Well, in the case of some of these larger companies like Google, Amazon, HubSpot, there are actually certifications, right? Like you can get certified in their products and basically it makes them better customers of their products. Yeah. How cool is that? Certifications. Yeah. You're charging your customers to become professional users of your product. 
that's a really cool use that these legacy tech firms use. Like Salesforce has one. It's like you can become a Salesforce administrator. It costs a few hundred dollars. Now you can have a fully remote income because you got that certification. That's pretty cool like implementation of this concept. The reason we bring this all up is I think this sort of thinking in our space has a ton of potential right now. You know, we're mature, but pre-regulation. There's more and more people seeking to earn a living on the web. And there's innumerable niches and ways to do it. And structuring, on the one hand, the frameworks for making money. And on the other hand, the distribution, so those folks can make money, that's an extremely powerful place to position yourself in an industry. We were just brainstorming some ways that listeners could apply this. And I mean, I'd love for listeners to write into us. And, and I have so many ideas. The first people I thought of was the Empire Flippers, who've been on the show before. And they have a curated marketplace for buying and selling businesses. But I'm sure there's a lot of businesses that they don't want to sell on their marketplace or that don't fit their audience or that would be better in the hands of, wait for it, a certified broker. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, I think that would be really cool. Like what if, how much would, you could ROI that so fast. You could pay tens of thousands of dollars to come into the inner circle of one of these marketplaces. If it's a small program, they could come up with a partnership where they guarantee you make your money back. And then the leads that come in, say, for agencies of X size that don't really fit with our marketplace, those leads are going direct to you. And you're going to follow the Empire Flippers brokerage system. And now you're going to go out there in the world and grow our brand, similar to how a lot of real estate companies have done this. You buy into the credential of Keller Williams or whatever. You put a sign out in your city. And now you are a representation of this brand's values that now people in that niche can have access to where previously, maybe if you were in the agency space, Empire Flippers might not be the first brand you'd think of, but now you've got a, a licensed broker who's focused on those types of business. I don't know, something like that could work. Who knows? Yeah, the mental exercise here is to try and figure out essentially how you can credential your industry or your business. And the internet is still like the Wild West. And so it's like, again, if you want to come up with a certification, Spend the weekend and do it. Let me give you a personal example. We got a wonderful email from listener Robbie last week. This is something I've been thinking a lot about, Ian. Robbie writes, a great episode this week. I know DC Black is a major focus, but I'm not sure what happened to DC Scale. I would love to get in a position where I qualify for DC Black. And basically, the implication of the email is like something like DC Scale could really help me do that. Back onto the email. I know you get a ton of ideas sent your way. But if and when you ever wanted to start a DC Black undergrad program, I'd be interested. Thanks, Robbie. And there's a lot more wonderful things. That, shout out to Robbie. I just wanted to give a little bit of postscript about DC Scale, what it was, and how all of the certification talk is really getting my mind going here. So for those of you that are new to the pod, DC Scale was a program we launched late last year, which was group operational coaching. So a way you could think about it in the marketplace, it was like, group coaching for people that are interested in concepts like Intraction. It's how to run a successful operation. And it was super cool. We had six, over 60 clients, I believe. We put folks in groups and we had regular training sessions. And I think, you know, I still hear a lot of good things about it to this day. 
I think people are still talking about, people are still writing us emails about it. Here's the thing. When you're doing operational training in your business, it's often, not always, but often very specific to where you're at at that moment. And so if you're in a group with two people, you can get the expert implementer's time split 50-50. And then there's a third person in the group. Now it's 33, 33, 33. You see where this is going. The more people that join your group, we had a challenging time getting as much operational effectiveness rubber to the road, so to speak, the more people that join the program. Of course, you get experiences and people sharing stuff, but typically there's someone that's an expert in, in this and you're help, like going to the expert to help you be more decisive, to get more clarity around your systems and to get a lot done. You fast forward to something like DC Black, the next millionaire shows up at your table. That's an addition. That's like, nice. wow, you're doing what? Oh, that's so cool. You live where? DC Black improves the more people that join. DC Scale, not so much. Why? Because there's still the same level of experts, but now more members are joining. So I think that creating a certification out of our DC Scale materials so that coaches in our ecosystem, implementers, operational experts, of which there are many that listen to this podcast, could take the cert, join a community of coaches. And now we make sure that they're operating at the level of quality and insight that we expect from DC Scale. And now they go out into the world and we give them the leads. People like Robbie, we say, yo, we spent weeks working with so-and-so. We trust them. They're trained up on the system. If you want to attend undergrad and put yourself on the path of getting to DC Black, go work with them for a year. That's what's... Because you know one of the things, the inside baseball, you would come back to me, Ian, in the DC Scale sessions. And you would rave, putting words in your mouth here, you would rave. Ian's rave level, I mean, it's, it, it wasn't... Uh, it's, a, it's pretty, yeah, it's basically this tone right here, if I'm really... Yeah, this is his yeah. raving. This is a raving. You got to have a tuned ear, honestly. <laughs> I could hear the passion. And what I heard from you was, man, when we're in these sessions, one-on-one -on -one with these founders, we are moving paper, baby. And that's just the way of saying, we are getting done. We are making decisions. We are implementing processes. They are making business-changing decisions in these sessions. That's a fair interpretation. Yeah. Harder 100%. to do in a group setting. It's harder to do in a group setting for sure. I think that a couple great things came out of DC Scale. One was just like exposure to the content and to the ideas. So like if you're new to this and it was like, hey, I want a crash course on like what this might look like in my business, then it was great. If you're in the throes of implementation, Again, like you said, if there's like four or five other people in your group, well, then you're probably not going to get the attention that you want to be able to implement all this stuff into your business. So obviously, it just boils down to this. Like one-on-one -on -one implementation of this stuff is very expensive. We've paid it before. We've very charged expensive. it before. In a group, you can kind of spread the cost over many different companies, but I think the effectiveness could be lost in some cases. Yeah. And, and for reference, we're charging between $25,000 and $40,000 a year. The bottom line is if you're going to get someone's one-on-one -on -one focused attention like that, you need to make it make sense economically. There's opportunity costs for talented people. I think the direction for us is to go polarized. One, create a credential and create a community of implementers. And two, create a course. Like That's the other option, which is I've had a lot of DC Black members. In fact, one I was hanging out with last weekend, and she said to me, hey, you know what? The people who went through DC Scale, they have a different lexicon than us because they all went to college, right? Like they went to undergrad. 
they have a framework and systems for speaking about these things. And she thought that that was really compelling. And I thought, well, I don't know. What's the difference between being in a group of like eight or 25 at that point? Maybe you just move to like a classroom model that's like really focused, really delivered. And then if you want to up level to the one-on-one model, you know, you have a, a certified coach for that level. So Robbie, to answer your question, I'm really thinking that certification and course is the way to go for this rather than group coaching. That's the punchline as to where DC Scale has gone and why we launched DC Black. So let's wrap it up, Ian. That is what I would submit as the Michael Jordan of business models. It is the certification business model. You offer brand power and legitimacy to businesses and individuals, and you also offer them distribution. They pay in because they know they're going to ROI hardcore on the annual certification fees that they're paying to you. And meanwhile, they're going to grow your brand on your behalf because as part of your incredible brand, they are making an incredible business. How cool. I love it. It's such a cool system. It's such a cool business model. And I'm curious as to what the listeners think. We have so much else to talk about, but it's a holiday for so many of our listeners. So we'll put off uh, a couple things to future episodes. Number one, Colbe assessment reveals. Number two, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the rise of the super consultant. Uh, these are people working less than 40 hours a week, making more than $300,000 a year. Okay, The super consultant, and often super consultants are armed with certifications. And guess what? There's going to be a lot more super consultants in five years than there are right now, and you can create those certifications. We'll talk about that. We'll also continue on the conversation about the split and sell method of laying golden eggs with your current business that you can then exit. Been getting a ton of uh, listener feedback about that concept. Really quick, some holiday reads. Everybody is talking about OpenAI. If you want to read about the thing behind the thing, why are we talking about effective altruism? Why are we talking about accelerationists versus pumping the brakeanists? Read Super Intelligence by Nick Bostrom. And don't read it at bedtime. I'll just put it that way. Another great read, which was my DCBKK read this year, is called The Ride of a Lifetime, written by CEO of Disney, Robert Iger. I honestly picked it up, Ian, because I thought it would put me to sleep on the flight exactly the opposite. It's actually a really cool book. Robert Iger is a compelling character, and this book is really inspirational. You know, Disney is one of the great all-time American companies. And get this, there's a lot of personal friendship with Steve Jobs stories in this book, and that's one of the coolest parts about the ride of a lifetime. So just some holiday reading there, Ian. Awesome, man. Well, it is time for me to go stuff my face with turkey and mm. overeat and regret it and then overeat again and then fall asleep. Oh, nothing like the holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like people, people do not tune into this podcast for personal improvement advice. That's for sure. It's <laughs> like not our vibe. Like, Throw the scale away. We are indulging. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for indulging in the TMBA podcast. We'll see you next week. See you then. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning 
8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.